0: Hey everybody, Zach here. Welcome to the show. Before we dive into this week's episode, just want to give a quick thank you and shout out to Element Four Fifty One for making today's conversation possible. I've been talking with several several of you um, about their new product packs and just want to reiterate how much of a game changer i think that this is for the higher ed crm space so you know that moment after you've finally gone through the whole rfp process you've done you know training and onboarding with the crm vendor that you selected and then you know you're in the crm and you realize oh my gosh there's just so much work to do to get up and running right like we've got to build out our conflows we've got to build out our landing pages etc well with packs by element 451 this headache goes away. Because what packs is, is it's essentially pre-packaged content, right? Pre-built content, designs, and automations. So you're actually able to do in minutes what would normally take your enrollment management team or your marketing team or your IT team weeks to do. No code needed, no writers, you know, no wasted time. Each pack is designed with a very specific goal in mind. So for example, you could install the senior search pack, And in minutes, you'll have five personalized emails that are totally branded to your school, your audience segments um, and a whole marketing automation workflow that will make the campaign run effortlessly. So in a fraction of the time that it usually takes, you'll be well on your way to achieving your enrollment goals. We all know that uh, time is everything, especially these days. So what's super cool about element 451 is that there's, you know, they're finally a a higher ed CRM that actually comes with content guys. Like this is game changing. Uh, Anyways, learn more at element451.com forward slash enrollify again that's element451.com forward slash enrollify and if you'd like a personal introduction to the team there um i i know artists um and they are uh, just a fantastic group of people and i'd be well I'd, I'd welcome any opportunity i can to introduce you or your team to their customer success team so Feel free to reach out to me directly at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org if you'd like me to make that introduction or even give you a sneak peek behind the scenes look at how the product works. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for your time, and thank you, Element, for making today's conversation possible. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Cruz, and I am the host of today's episode. And today I am sitting down with Kevin Obumanu, who is a customer success manager at Unibuddy. Welcome to the show, Kevin.
1: Thank you for having me, Zach. This is great. This is really great. This is like, I think, my second podcast that I've ever been on in my life.
0: Well, hopefully hopefully it's the best. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Kevin, can you just uh, get us started here by sharing uh, a little bit of the elevator pitch for Unibuddy for folks who might not be familiar with what Unibuddy is, um, and then just a quick understanding of what your role at Unibuddy is?
1: Yeah, so Unibuddy is pretty much a site, well, it is a platform where Current students can connect with prospective um, and applicant students. I think that's the best way to say it. Um, I feel as if Generation Z wants to have a student perspective when they're making their selections for universities um, and Unibuddy provides a way to make that happen in an authentic way. Um, It's all very student-centered. Anytime there's a new development that happens with the platform, it's always coming from the students who are using that um, and finding ways to be more innovative with that. Um, so what I do at Unibuddy is actually um, as a customer success manager I work with all of our with many of our university partners within the United States um, and help them with using it in creative ways also they come up to me with a lot of really crazy ideas with using it in crazy in a good way which is you know bomb.edu it's so great when they have stuff like that that comes up um, <laughs> And the goal is to support them through that, you know, and really kind of help them explore great ways in using the product, um, because their main goal is to um, not just get leads, but to get strong, qualified leads for those who, for, for their institutions, um, and this way they can nurture those leads throughout the um, admissions pipeline.
0: Fantastic. Very, very well said. Uh, Appreciate that context. Uh, And Kevin, you've had quite an interesting uh, career path uh, thus far. And I'm really excited to be chatting with you because you've got experience working in higher ed. Uh, You've had a passion for uh, international students and international student recruitment for a while. Uh, And now you're working at, at Unibuddy and helping colleges and universities connect um, they're students with the right perspective, students. So you've got lots of perspective, which uh, I'm eager to tap into. Could you just give us sort of the, the Cliff's Notes, or or you know maybe a more appropriate term for our generation, uh, the Spark Notes uh, <laughs> okay. overview of of your career to date?
1: Yeah, um, so I worked in higher ed for um, a little more than nine years, Um, worked initially with a um, high school journalism program that worked with um, urban youth, um, which that gave me a lot of um, perception for high school students. Went from that to working with um, international students, um, coordinating their buddy program, um, and as well as later I was a DSO, and I also did international recruitment primarily focusing on the Americas, so Canada and everywhere south of the U.S. Um, it was a great experience, let me tell you that, because I love traveling. Um, I pretend that I speak Portuguese, and um, <laughs> I somehow am able to interme- intermediately speak Spanish as well.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, I bet you're, uh, you're missing uh, that role uh, right about now. I know those of us who are used to traveling a lot are are not, are just not used to not being on a plane. And it's, uh, you know, while there's certainly benefits of not having to, you know, race to and from the airport, it's also, it's sad. It's fun to go see new places. Um. It is.
1: It <laughs> is. I was supposed to go to Brazil last month. Um, oh no. for, Um, and of course that didn't happen. So yeah, yeah. I, I've been stuck in my house mostly for the past four and a half to five months, like everyone else. And yeah, it's rough. It is really rough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's to hoping you can get, make that trip happen uh, sooner than later. Um 2021 we'll see. Is the goal.
1: 2021. Yes.
0: So. 2021, <laughs> 2021 is the new 2020. Let's just say that.
1: Yeah. Because 2020 has been canceled. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm still waiting for the t-shirt. I'm sure it's out there, but I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen that t-shirt yet, but there, there really should be a t-shirt bumper sticker, the the whole shebang. Um, anyways, uh, today, Kevin, I want to have a conversation about leveraging students as as brand ambassadors, and I'm specifically. Interested in in getting your thoughts on how to ensure that the student voice is front and center in all aspects of enrollment marketing, from search campaigns to yield campaigns. Uh, I'm hoping you could just kind of kick us off by sharing some thoughts at a high level about you know from from Kevin's uh, perspective. Why is including the student voice in prospective uh, student communications so important, especially today?
1: Well. I think for any institution, your main reason why you exist are the students. So if you're not including the student voice, then you're pretty much going against everything that your university, your community college, your school, whatever it may be, is created for. You know, um, And I think any of your decisions should be centered around creating environments for students where they're able to learn, grow, prosper, and be successful. Um, human beings when they complete their degree. So for me, it's um, extremely important that everything you do is centered around them and their needs, and really kind of staying up to date. Um, more particularly, when talking about ge- Generation Z, they strongly appreciate authenticity. You know, so they they don't want they don't want institutions trying to sell them an institution. Hmm. They want to know can I really be, can I really become a better version of myself in this space? How can I learn? How can I grow in this space? That's what they want. And if you are not providing ways for them to do that and not truly listening to them, like it's one thing to hear, but you also have to truly listen to what they want and really act on that, then you're going to end up losing them. Um, One thing I, I would say at my previous institution is, the best way to market your institution are the students and Mm -hmm. not by telling them what to say, but it's what they are saying. And if they're saying something that is very different from the message you're putting out there, you already have a problem. So you need to have those pathways and conversations with your current students to really see what is going well and what isn't working and figure out ways to make things work better for them. Because that in itself, they can say, you know what, this wasn't working at my institution, but they actually were listening to me. And that I appreciate because I'm not seeing that a lot in other places. So if they're listening to me, they're going to listen to you too. That's the kind of conversation that they're going to have with their friends who are thinking about where they're going to go in the next year or two. So I think it's extremely important to make sure that anything you do with enroll, in, in enrollment management is very centered around the students. I, I'm... Fully for a student first policy, always.
0: That's very, very well said. And you know, as you're as you're talking, I'm I'm thinking about like how you know why, wrestling with this question about why is it so hard for schools, especially uh, enrollment management teams, marketing and communications teams, to do a great job at including the student voice. And it seems to me that what most schools try to do is the enrollment management team or the Marcom team has a particular framework, right? They have they have some sort of structure in which they want communications to operate. So, you know, that often looks more specifically like, you know, there's a seven to 10 post-inquiry communications flow, right? So if you raise your hand and you say, I'm interested in your school, you're going to be dropped into some sort of comm flow that will send you seven to 10 emails or whatever it is, right? And right. it seems to me that what most institutions do is they say, okay, here's the framework. How do we fit student, the student voice into this framework, as opposed to saying students, prospective students, what, what framework makes sense, right? And then how do we couple what we need to, what we need to uh, communicate into a context, into a framework, into an infrastructure that does resonate with you? So it's, it's a little bit like whether you approach the students first and say, hey, what communications do you want when do you want them how do you want them as opposed to saying okay here's what's going to happen how do we insert sort of the token student testimonial or the token student quote into some framework that already exists because it exists for you know bureaucratic reasons or because it exists because it's what we did last year (sighs)
1: so (laughs) i'm gonna be frank please so what I say is, you know what, one thing that I would do, which I think the reason why I was pretty successful with um, some of my past jobs was I would push back against that. And I, I know for people who, um, for me, I was an admissions officer and also like um, coordinator for ISS, um International Student Scholar Services. And I understand that sometimes it's very difficult to have those conversations with people um, above you who are, not as engaged with the students. And I think you have to be bold and you have to be very direct and say, this is not going to work. This might've worked three, four years ago. It does not work today. And you have to, and it's really kind of pushing back against some of those things that come up and pushing back against those structures um, and being bold about it. I had to do that many times and In some cases, um, it was an uphill battle. In other times I was actually very surprised. I remember um, one thing with the buddy program we had, um, getting it to go from a stipend kind of pay kind of thing for our ambassadors to um, a scholarship program, surprisingly was a 15 minute meeting with the director of financial services. And it was very quick. And I was shocked huh. <laughs> because I think anyone who's in higher ed, you know, meetings that are 15 minutes with a yes answer and a very easy process does not happen very often. <laughs> but if, you're, if you're not bold about it and you don't um, push for it, sometimes these things won't happen. You don't know what's going to happen unless you actually really try. You have to really advocate for the students and their voice. Um, Because you're in a position of power in those structures in order to do that. Um, And then you have to really evaluate if a school is not willing to listen to the students, then you need, that's something that you have to consider. Well, what people who are making decisions for students, then what are they really there for? Um, When students are the ones who are paying tuition, I mean, if you want to talk about it from economics, um, you can't teach without students there. Um, you can't do any part of your job without students there. Um, so I think those are things that we also have to ask. If you're getting a lot of pushback, well, what? why is that pushback there? Um, and really trying to work with that to get what the students need so you can do your job well.
0: Very, very, very well said. And, you know, what's what's striking here is that we're we're living through a moment where peer to peer influence is is more powerful than ever in fact you know e marketer just published some research stating that 70% of Gen Z trust what their peers say about a brand versus what a brand says about itself. Uh, And yet schools still struggle to, you know, lace their enrollment marketing strategies with authentic student experience. So like, what do you think, like, what's the rub here? Like, why do you think it's so hard for colleges and universities to, to get this?
1: Because they don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> it's, uh, to me it's like it's it's really just that hmm. um you have the students are there they want their voices heard listen to them um and I I know that just sounds like um it's very simple but every part of my past experiences I don't think I would be where I'm at today if it wasn't for the international students that I worked with hmm. they challenged me every single day in many different ways. And of course you have things from the federal government that make it challenging, things within your own institution that make things challenging, but you work with the students, figure out what they want, try to get it the best you can based in the policies that you're um, kind of stuck with, but also challenging the policies that you can challenge. Um, So the one thing that institutions can do is really listen to the students, create these environments where you are not just having surveys and um, and focus groups just because, but you're actually really taking that information as a part of your planning, as a part of your communications, and really seeing what they're saying and really integrating it into what you're doing. Another example of um, something that we did um as a group with our international team was we were very big on surveying the students every year after orientation and this is just one example for international orientation um, because our orientation changed every single year mainly because we would get feedback from the students on what worked well what didn't work well and we would make changes accordingly just that in itself every single year we would still get well over a 90 percent Approval rating for the way orientation would go. Wow, which is great um, Because we would change things we want they could tell the students could tell that What we were doing we authentically wanted them to have a great experience. They could see that authenticity um, and they know it from the surveys and the previous the class that went through orientation the year before is talking to the new students who are going through orientation so I think that's one thing that um, institutions need to understand is students are always going to have conversations that you're not privy to.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: that's, I think, the most important part of any kind of story for any institution is what other students are saying within your institution. And you're not going to know all those conversations, but if you're doing, if you love what you're doing and you're really looking out for the students, they're going to talk about that. And they're going to be they're going to tell that to other people who are planning to come and other current students in other um, years they're going to have those conversations as well too
0: What strikes me about what you're saying Kevin is, this is, uh, I, l- I liked how you said like this is so much more than, uh, than a survey, and I think where admissions teams and, uh, and marketing communications teams sort of get stuck is everyone knows how to do the token survey, right? Like, everyone knows how to do the token fo- focus group. Like, none of those things are new, and you know, maybe one of the reasons why, so I know that there's some, uh, there's maybe a few people that are grumbling right now listening to this, thinking, you know, we, we've done this, like, we, we know what our students think, we sent them the survey, or we sent them we did a focus group, you know, last quarter or last year, whatever it is, and you know, one of the things that's coming to mind right now is like, based off of what you're saying, is admissions departments, smartcom departments, they need authentic relationships with students, and maybe, oh. m- maybe like the reason why, you know, when you get survey feedback, or may- maybe one of the reasons why communications can be so, so vanilla, so to speak, is because. Um, you know, student. Uh, you're not. You're when you send a student a survey and you ask them a yes or no kind of question, right? Like, did you know when you were uh, applying to college, did you look at our social media? Yes or no, or whatever it might be, right? You're gonna get. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a very kind of token answer. Um, because the reality is like when a student is put on the spot or even in a focus groups, hey, do you like this color or that color for a, a call to action or for, you know, the the cover for a view book or whatever it is, you're gonna get mm-hmm. a token answer because, you know, students aren't necessarily used to kind of teasing out what specifically it is that mm-hmm. was different about their experience or about the experience that your university delivered. And the only way that you're gonna get those detailed, really, really specific. Uh, uh, meaningful feedback, uh, meaningful nuggets of feedback in order to inform actual change in your approach to admissions and marketing is if you have a real relationship with students. And in order yes. to have a real relationship, you've got to listen, right? Like you exactly. you have to have conversations.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, I, another thing that
1: people could do is um, having your... So one thing with recruitment, what I would do is, um, which this is something that Unibuddy actually helps with, (laughs) but this institution I was at, Unibuddy didn't exist yet. Okay. Um, So it's because Unibuddy is really new um, about, I think we're almost five years old now. And uh, at the time when I started recruitment, it was just coming on board and it wasn't in the U S at the moment. And um, what I would do is I was very open with giving my WhatsApp to any student that I met who was, extremely invested in my institution. Hmm. So I said, yes, you can talk to me because emailing is not impersonal. It's just maybe too formal. Sure. Um, So I would still give them my business card, but I said, you know, if you have any questions that you want to ask right away, here's my WhatsApp and we can have that conversation. Um, and I meant that, and I would respond immediately anytime they had a question about anything, um, because I wanted to make sure that that student was making the best decision for themselves. Did I want a lot of students for my own numbers to come in? Absolutely. But for me, as I'm not just looking at making certain numbers for admissions goals. I'm looking at I this is an investment for the student and their family and it needs to be the right investment for them and I want them to be the right student in my institution. Yeah. I don't want to have just any student come in just to simply grow numbers. I want them to actually come in, retain and persist. And uh, and, th- and that was very important to me and if they're not the right fit, they're not the right fit. They are 4,500 plus universities in the U.S. that they can choose from um, if it's not mine. And i rather have them go to a place where that fits them opposed to just coming to mine. So giving them my information would help them answer their questions, help me develop a relationship with that student um, so then they feel they can come to me about anything. Um, I also would involve their parents because um, for two reasons. First of all, parents are not only the... For may, especially with international students, a lot of times they're the main decision maker, but also they're the ones who are also paying the bill. Sure. So, so if you're going to consider that as well, too, I would include parents because I also want to make sure that they're making the right investment for themselves as well. And not just investment monetarily, but the time, the process, especially the visa application process for international students is nothing easy um, all of that stuff is extremely important, and they should know the full story so then they can make the best choice. And, of course, one thing that would come up on all my recruitment trips from parents and, stu- and um, prospective students alike were, can I talk with a current student? Yeah. And since we didn't have something like Unibuddy, Um, I would say, yeah, you can. Uh, We have a buddy program, and I'll talk about that, and that's a great way. And I would ask any of my ambassadors, because I had all of their phone numbers, I would say, would any of you want to talk with this student? You two are from the same country, and they would do that. But with Unibuddy, I could have some kind of fair table piece with their individual cards and say, this person is from your country. You could totally talk with them. They can give you... Um, their perspective on how they transitioned from Brazil to the U.S., what that looked like for them, um, what things they went through. And then if you have any additional questions regarding the admissions process or immigration, you can talk to me or you can talk to my colleague. So, and we, and, and something like that is extremely helpful because it still reaches them where they are and gives them the information that they need so then they can make the best decisions for themselves.
0: I love, I love that approach because what I and I love what you said just a few minutes ago about how about right fit. And I think that that is so, so, so important, especially today, right, where you know, a lot of the times when we talk to colleges and colleges and universities that are trying to increase enrollment, right? The idea is like, okay, how do we increase the top of the funnel? Like, how do we just make it like 10%, you know, wider or 20% wider? Because if we just get more people, more leads in at the top, right? Eventually our, our bottom line will be met. And I think like. What's crazy about that is there's so much waste, like the enrollment management process is not sustainable at all. Like it, it's just right. the, the the fact that like you start with 10,000, you know, maybe purchase names and end up with 400 people in a class right, or something like that. Right. Like that that's ridiculous like that's crazy right like and 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 yet like so so what i love about what you're saying is that w- during the admissions process in particular and and just talking about international students as a, as a subgroup here right what you're doing is uh you're you're gathering like an incredible amount of information on okay what specifically is it that these students this population of students needs and how do we ensure that like that what what we've identified as as need, right, and what we've identified as right fit, and what we've identified as sort of the process in which to get more of these kind of right fit students into into our class, right? How does that information uh, make it all the way up to uh, you know the marketers, right, all the way back up to sort of the the, the top of the funnel, so that all of that messaging can be incorporated into, you know, even just even just brand awareness ads. And I think like there's mm-hmm. just so much there hired is just so siloed and like oftentimes what marcom needs to be doing is listening to 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 you really and like listening to the uh the insights that Kevin is garnering from the actual students that he's talking with because right if we want a more sustainable enrollment management process, we need, you know, Higher quality leads. And in order to get higher quality leads, you need to understand, okay, at the end of the day, your customers, your students, what is it that they really need? Who is the right customer, right? And how do how do you then get more of them? Oh, well, you start by listening. You start by understanding what it is that they value most about your institution or value most about higher education. And then you use that data to inform your top of the funnel campaigns. And that is such a simple thing, Kevin. And yet, like, I feel like in higher ed, we don't get it.
1: No, they don't. <laughs> I, feel if, I feel as if people who, were, who are admissions officers and who work directly with students um, in student affairs and um, directly in admissions, all of that, they get it. Hmm. I feel as if those who have been removed from being on the ground for a while, they've forgotten
0: Huh. And I think yeah. sometimes
1: they need a reminder, you know. And if this is and this is the way that they need to be reminded, so be it, you know. Um, and I think sometimes that just happens that they forget. Um, so I think, yeah, you have to really find ways to um, engage those students and really listen to them. And one thing in particular that I, I do want to mention, um, since sometimes those people forget and then are willing, are, then are unwilling to remember. Um, I think making sure that you, as an admissions officer, that anytime you have a conversation, have that in your CRM, if your institution has a CRM. Um, I was lucky to be in an institution that had Slate. I love Slate. You know, shout out to Slate. It, It was fantastic to use. Um, Putting that information in there anytime you have a conversation with a student, I think it's very important because people above you will see that and say, like, okay, you've been having very kind of robust conversations with X amount of students, and most of them ended up going from admit to enroll.
0: Yeah, yeah. See
1: the way that that works, you know, Um, so the evidence is there um, if you go ahead and put that in. So it's extremely important you do that. Um, And I'm going to mention Unibody again, because now it's going to sound like I'm selling it, but it's true. Again, Unibody is taking that information and putting it as an interaction into your CRM um, if you have some kind of integration with it. So again, you're also able to see the pathway the student is taking. Um, So that is extremely important to really show how you're nurturing those conversations um, with the student, um, what's happening in those conversations, why those conversations are important i mean it will all be in your crm if you're putting it in there or if you have some kind of integration um with that
0: fantastic and there's nothing wrong with uh with uh sharing you know goodness where uh where goodness exists and there's a lot of goodness in unibuddy so uh no no problem in in shouting them out um I (laughs) too, I
1: wouldn't work here if I didn't like Unibuddy. There you go. There you go. So, (laughs) like the decision just felt like when, um, when I got the offer letter to work at Unibuddy, I was like so happy because the interview process, even though it was long, it went well. It felt like a good move for me. It felt like I could bring the knowledge that I've gathered into the space, Um, and and I, I and I really do love it, you know. And I remember from my very first interview, I said. I wish we had something like this because it would have made my work and also the students' work a lot easier. So, anytime I can mention it, I try to. I I did not drink the Kool Aid. It was just like missing <laughs> this, and it's like, why did we not have something like this? So, I think if you don't have something like Unibuddy to um, help nurture your like best quality leads and not just get any lead, um, then. I think you're going to have issues when it comes to not only um, preventing melt, but also when it comes to having students retain and persist. So I think all of those things are important, especially now that most things are virtual. Um, it's, it's even more important now than even before.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so I want to I want to talk to you about uh, or get your thoughts on sort of uh, when we talk about incorporating the student story into uh, schools, conflows or or ad copy, or website messaging, etc. Uh, it, it's obvious that you know one story is far from sufficient, right? There's not just there's no such thing as just one student story when you're talking about an institution as a whole. So how can enrollment marketing teams kind of work to uh, do a better job at tailoring relevant stories? to to relevant prospects and what's what's sort of how do you do this appropriately right so in other words how do you ensure that you're telling authentic stories about your uh, you know, your 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 your, or your maybe you're leveraging your showcasing uh, authentic student student told stories, but how do you do so in a way that doesn't come across as uh, you know leveraging students, especially uh, especially minorities? Like, how, how do you do this in a way that is that is appropriate?
1: Um, first, hire more people of color, especially for international recruitment. Um, it's abysmal and very um, sad that um, for international recruitment, the vast majority of recruiters are white. Wow. Um, And that's one thing that needs to change is you need to hire more um, people of color, primarily more black people, you know, Um, and that already, especially now Gen Z I think is more interested in movements like BLM. Um, They strongly believe in it. They're more interested in um, equity, not just equality, because we've already got equality somewhat. We still have work to go. But they're interested in equity and justice. And there needs to at least be a visual representation with your um, admission staff. And if you don't have that, that already is where you're failing to begin with. (laughs) Secondly, um, speaking of that, if you're going to hire more people of color you also need to create an environment where those voices are heard too. Because if you, if your institution is still practicing structural racism, many of them are, they don't know it because they were taught a certain way. So they have to actually decolonize their thinking and think in a different way. And they have to actively become anti-racist in in those environments. And that's something that's a much, I think that will be a different um, podcast interview But that's another thing that they would need to do (laughs) as well, too. And really practice that. Not just say it for optics, but actually everything from curriculum, everything from the way their HR works, every single aspect has to be restructured um, to accommodate everybody, not just a certain ideal. Um, So that's another thing they would need to do because students are looking at that. Um, Students are not... I feel as if me being a millennial... I feel as if we were more interested in things that were flashy. We wanted, we liked the new buildings. We wanted, you know, like the really nice dorms and all of that. Generation Z is a little bit more um, woke. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) You know, they're more into, those things are great, but we really want to have scholarships so that we do not fall into debt like the millennials did. We want to make sure that when I go in there, I'm actually learning about the genocide of Native Americans in this country, not just a, a pardon my French, oh no, this is the right way, a whitewashed version of Thanksgiving. Yeah. They want to know what's really happening. They want to know what they missed when they were in high school. That's what they're looking for. Um, so if you're able to provide that and you're doing it authentically and you're supporting your students of color, you're supporting your queer students, you're supporting all of these different groups, and you're doing it, not just saying it, but you're actively listening to those students and really trying to meet their needs and actively doing so, and they believe you're doing so, then that way you're going to attract and retain um, quality students who fit into the fabric of
0: your institution.
1: Um, and because the people who are going to say it the most would be your actual current
0: CNX. Amen. There's a lot, there's a lot of gold there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, well, you know, I come what, with a pot of gold always back. Kevin, <laughs> I knew I could rely on you. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I, I think like to, to, to bring this back to sort of just, just messaging. Right. And we're, we're talking a lot about like you know people listening to this are, are primarily folks that are responsible for uh, marketing, College, and university, either uh, central centralized uh, college marketing and recruitment. Uh, folks who are working um, in enrollment management teams at the at the graduate and undergraduate level, right? So these the the bulk of the people listening to today's episode are responsible for recruiting students, and there is absolutely a move to recruit uh, from more diverse populations. And I think like what you're saying, Kevin, is. It's really, really hard to, again, in the, in the spirit of storytelling, right? It's really hard to tell the student story uh, when, Ooh. if, if you, if, if there's nobody in your admissions team, nobody in your enrollment management team, nobody in your marcom team that looks like or can and can truly identify with um, with uh, students within at your institution the the chances that they're going those, those students are going to be willing to share their story with you like the the chances that those students are going to be f- kind of feel like they're really being listened to I would imagine right what do I know but I would imagine um, that that that's low like, there's a low percentage of chance and so if you are looking as an enrollment marketer to effectively communicate the the authentic stories of your students right maybe mm-hmm. the biggest takeaway is look in the mirror, like start with your department, start with your, with your office and what change needs to happen there. So that that authentic story, uh, can first and foremost be heard in a safe space. And then secondly, be used to communicate, uh, authentically to prospective students in hopes that you can attract more students that might identify with these stories.
1: Yes, exactly. That's what, and that's what they need to do. And they're not, Um, and that's something that I'm hoping is going to start off. I know right now um, IAC Act is happening uh, virtually, um, and that's something that I believe is going to be talked about within that space, Um, but there's so many things that can be done. I think also from um, another thing to add to that too, not only just hiring and creating the spaces within um, institutions where you're nurturing the employees and the students, and really providing to listen to that, really providing uh, spaces to listen to them. Um, also, I think collectively as admissions folks, we have to really also decolonize our minds there was was something i read literally i think yesterday which um was kind of shocking where there were some admissions counselors who were saying they never get good students from ghana or nigeria which i have never heard anything like that before but they were just saying the context of that conversation was clearly racist you know and it's like to my understanding but Nigerian and Ghanaian students that I've had have been very great. <laughs> yeah. um, many of them come here. Like I had no, no way you'd spend it. There's not a way you could spend it to me that would say they are bad students. Yeah. Um, so if you're talking about finances, usually the ones who study here are very financially stable. Um, if you're talking about um, rain power, both Ghana and Nigeria use um, a British curriculum. So At the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, I don't see where the issue is. They speak English. (laughs) So all of these different things, it's like, I don't know where you could spend it, Um, how you could spend it and say they're not good students. So that in itself is something that has to be um, broken down and say like, well, why would you think these students are not good when you can find good students literally in any country? the students that are good for your institution, it's really dependent on what your institution wants. And also if the student are doing well academically, that's those things that really matter, you know, um, because of course it's the academics that is going to show if they're going to be academically successful. Um, So those are the things that should matter. But also I think for domestic, now i have not done a lot of domestic recruiting, but I've worked with a lot of domestic recruiters. Um, And I know there are going to be a lot of people listening to this who are in domestic recruitment. And a lot of it, when you're thinking of academic preparedness, you also have to consider, well, the high school they're coming from, since high schools in the U.S. tend to be grossly unequal um, in the kind of education they provide, um, you have to ask, well, what things are they studying? What things were they given so they are academically prepared? Um, One idea that um, I'm not sure if it was um, ever kind of executed at my um, previous institution, but it was talked about by several of us. And I have to remind you, the people who are in these conversations for domestic recruitment were talking about this. We were all black and brown people, you know, and we were talking about um, black and brown communities that um, are at, the poverty line um, and the high schools that are in those communities. And uh, one thing that we said was there are so many ways you can recruit um, those students in a way that you're giving them something to learn okay. that they can bring into the institution um, and also can help them, especially if they're first generation. One of them being you could have a financial aid workshop that is branded for your institution, but people could take that to any institution. The fact that you have it branded for your institution, they remember, oh, the person who talked to me about this was at my my institution, at this institution, but this is financial aid information that I would have never known that I could use when I'm applying to any institution. The fact that they're gonna remember that you did that, the school will remember, the parents will remember, more than likely they're going to apply to your institution if you have the program that they're looking for yeah Um, so you will at least get an application at the very least so just things like that where you're going into the communities having those relationships with the communities that's already showing that you're trying to be a part of something that's not exclusive. You're trying to be inclusive in your practices and bringing as many diverse students as possible, not just related to race and ethnicity, not just international, but people from all different kind of income levels, all different um, kind of backgrounds, different kind of gender identities and sexual identities, all of those things, when you're actually going into those communities and providing them the resources that they need. Um, so then they can make that decision to go into um, a higher ed institution.
0: It's what's, what's really interesting too, is you're, you're kind of, uh, uh, speaking here about the importance of education versus selling, right? Like educating Mm -hmm. versus selling and like really getting to the core of, of that, that financial aid example is like, Hey, at the end of the day, if you're providing value, if you're going out of the way to be helpful, uh, you're going to be remembered because uh, unfortunately not enough people are, are helpful. Um, and so, and so that's, yeah, I, I love how you're touching on that. I, I want to pick your brain a little bit, uh, around student ambassadors. So, uh, yeah, college we, we're, we're talking today right about how to how do we effectively tell and communicate student stories how do we help uh, enrollment management teams by um, uh, how do we help encourage enrollment management teams to listen to students to hear their stories and then be able to use their stories for uh, recruitment purposes and I'm curious uh, how you think in, in your experience from what you've seen at unibuddy right how how are schools effectively leveraging uh, student ambassadors and Maybe what are some, you know, quick do's and don'ts when it comes to incorporating current students into the enrollment management into sort of the the admissions process? What what are what are some things that you've seen schools do well and what are some things uh, again in your experience or or otherwise um, that haven't gone so well?
1: Um, One, so I'll go with start off with things that went well, um, from my experience, and then what I know some other institutions are doing, and the ones that are using Unibuddy and the ones that are not. Um, The things that they're doing well is, first, I've noticed, and this goes back to when you mentioned the relationship, the admissions offices that maintain relationships with the students are the ones who are able to successful, successfully create an ambassador program because there's, they maintain that relationship after the student has even enrolled, which is good. Um, I think in many cases, um, a student enrolls and then we're like, okay, next on to, you know, recruiting for fall and doing the same thing all over again, which yes, you should do that part, but also still keep in touch with the students, you, um, the students that you've have enrolled and um, see what how things are going. Check in on them at least every month, you know, or every couple of months, even um, a few times a semester um, speaks volume, you know. At least just check in on them and see how they're doing. You have their information. You can send them a quick email if you only have their email. Again, because I also have their WhatsApp information, I was able to continue talking with them even after that. And what's great is. When I would go out on a recruitment trip, again, if they were not an ambassador, because sometimes when you're selecting ambassadors, you only have X amount of funding or bandwidth or whatever it may be, but you still have people who are not ambassadors who you've developed a relationship with, who. Um, like, for example, I guess I'll bring up Brazil again because I was in Brazil a lot. I had <laughs> several Brazilian students who some were ambassadors and many of them were not for many different reasons. But because I was connecting with most of them, if I had a student who was in game programming and this and, and a prospective student came up to my table and wanted to know about game programming, I was like, oh. I know someone who's in this program who really loves it, Um, let me ask him right away if um, I can give him your information and you all can go ahead and talk, you know? Um, And that helps out because then they're able to have that conversation um, and go from there and say, I've met, and then I can say, I've met someone here who's really interested in your program. So. Good things like that, staying in touch with those students, even if they don't become ambassadors is great. But then when it's time for you to start um, looking for ambassadors, you already have a pool of students to select from. Yeah. Now, I know some institutions go ahead and they like to handpick their ambassadors, which is fine because that works in some institutions because of the way that they're structured. Um, For me, I had a whole application process, which included – Individual interviews as well as um, a group interview because for me the values that were important was how they how they practice diversity um, Since they could be talking to an international student from any country Um, and also um, How are they able to um, work with other people especially if their personalities? Types were different Um, and those are two big things and those were two things that I looked at um, because I wanted A diverse group of different personality types but for me the best the most important thing was not only are they doing well academically because it was a scholarship program for us but also um, are they practicing diversity in their day to day life that was very important to me um, in how they're doing it and how they're willing to learn and go beyond from what they currently learning and go beyond that. And I think all of that is extremely important to having solid quality ambassadors. Um, so those are things that I saw that have worked well, things that don't work well, um, which again I will have to say this is really dependent on the structure of the institution, but volunt- having them vol- be volunteer- voluntary, yeah. voluntary ambassadors it's it's very difficult (laughs) because and I and that and I've done that and um, I know from experience it's very difficult to kind of um, retain them um, because there's not a necessarily a buy-in so sometimes it works very well other times it it doesn't you know Um, so and I know some institutions have seen that Um, the Another thing that also doesn't work well is if you're handpicking students, make sure they're students you have a relationship with. I have seen some institutions where they would just handpick students simply because um, they're like, oh, the student's in my office, therefore they're going to be an ambassador. But if you haven't really gone beyond just having a conversation related to (laughs) their immigration status, then it's they it may not work as well you know so i think things like that oh and also lastly there has to be investment from other people within the institution especially key people Um, i would say i was very very fortunate that um because the buddy program that i coordinated was founded by an international student when that student was an international student I use that all the time to bring in buy-in. I said, this is something that is student-centered. I'm only coordinating it because they needed somebody who is a staff person to actually coordinate it, to make it more official. Any idea that I have for it is coming from the students because I ask them all the time every single year during their training. What do you want to see? How do you envision this looking? And they have a discussion amongst themselves on what they've said, oh, I would have really liked this. This is going very well. This is not going well. And taking all of that information and making changes accordingly and keeping what they would like to have kept. Um, So I think that too is extremely important. You can't just say it's gonna be like this without having any kind of student input. Um, and when I would say that, I had people who were above me or around me really listen um, and say, like, that's really good. And, of course, the cool thing is those ambassadors are saying great things about me to other people. Um, so the news is being spread and the news is good. You know, you want to know what the streets are saying about you. You know, that's something. And I guess that's the marketing thing is the streets are saying good things about you. That's great. If the street saying <laughs> something that's not cute. You might need to figure out how do you, you have to call on your PR and figure out how to change the narrative. Yeah. And you don't want to be in the position of trying to change the narrative. You want the narrative to be positive and uplifting. So um, throughout your institution and beyond your institution.
0: Wow. Again, uh, just, just so much, so much to unpack there, Kevin, but, one of the things that I think is, like, if, if I could just do a, a uh, uh, you know, this is this is far from great, but just a quick kind of summary of, like, what I'm hearing uh, you say and you share and, and sort of, like, really the advice that I think that you're you're imparting on Teams is basically, look, your job as an enrollment marketer, your job as somebody who's working in admissions or, or working in Marcom when you're dealing with student ambassadors is, your job is essentially to provide a, a rough uh, structure of support Um, But right then empower students to control the narrative. Like what what I think I hear you saying is like in, in the most successful examples that you've outlined here. It's when students feel like students are empowered to say what they really think. And Guess what? Mm-hmm. You know, when student when prospective students hear what current students are saying, right, and they believe that that's authentic, that's incredibly influential in their decision on whether to attend or, or not to attend your your institution. And so it sounds like like our role, like as as admissions folks, right, our role as people in positions of power is to simply say, OK, Here's sort of our goals. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's like the purpose of your role. We're going to pay you to do this because we think it's really important and we value your time, right? We value the role that you're playing in the recruitment process, but then, you know, we want you to be you because you being you, right, should be attractive enough to the prospective students that our university is trying to attract. And it's, it's, it's basically as simple as that.
1: Yes, and it's, it's it's interesting because all of these things are very simple, but what makes it difficult are the structures of higher ed at many times because yeah. I feel as if um, there are people towards the top who have a vision um, for the institution and the students are secondary to that overall vision when the students need to be the center of that vision. Um, and I think institutions... The institutions that do well, that are successful at retaining and recruiting students, you can see that they center their decisions on providing like rigorous curricula for their students, providing um, a lot of different ways for them to um, engage within the campus beyond the classroom, um, providing resources for them when things get crazy, not denying that bad things will happen, but saying bad things do happen but we have resources to support you when they do. Um, And we, because we wanna make sure that you're successful. So there's an honesty that is with that, um, with those institutions. And it's very focused on the students and really kind of meeting their needs. Um, One thing that I learned when I, um, with my very first experience um, in higher ed was something called uh, social emotional learning, SEL. And I'm pretty sure. you And that in itself taught me a lot um, because it makes perfect sense. And I think maybe I believed it before that, but I just didn't have the language um, around it. But you can't expect students to only be um, do well academically um, if they don't have their other needs met. If you have a student that is homeless, provide them a home. Figure that out. You know, you have residence halls, um, you have ways to make that happen. You know, don't use money as an excuse, because if you're able to spend, um, you know, 50 million on a new science wing or whatnot, which that might be needed, yes, but you also have students who are sleeping in their car, you might need to figure out a way for that student to actually get housing so then they can be a successful student, you know? Yeah. So, these are things that, and that's just one example, but you have to center your decisions around the students, not just saying we have the shiny new building. That worked in 2008. It is now 2010. <laughs> it is now 2020. Sorry.
0: Yeah. That's yeah.
1: Not work anymore, especially since you can't even use the building. So <laughs> you have to go ahead and provide the students what they need. They need food, they need shelter. Um, those things are extremely important. And then they also need um, a place where they can learn. And if all of those things are not met, they're gonna have a really hard time focusing in the classroom and their grades are gonna show that. So really taking a holistic approach to the student experience and really centering your decisions around the students by actually talking with the students and listening to them is important. Not making decisions saying there was this study that happened that said, this is what students need. And it's like, well, that study is great because it gives you some kind of perspective, but talk to your actual students in your institution now and see what they really need. And not just the student rep on your um, on your board of trustees, but the students who are also in the classroom, all these other different students, different groups of students. It's all important information that you need to be a, a successful institution that recruits, students, that recruits students that will be set up for success.
0: Kevin. This has been amazing. I really, really appreciate your insight. And I am incredibly thankful that you've uh, given me now 55 uh, minutes, given us 55 minutes of, of your time to <laughs> share these insights with us. Uh, uh, there's so much here. And I think that, um, you know, we're, we're just, uh, we're just going to have to do uh, several other op- uh, episodes because there's so much to dive into and so much to unpack. Um But uh, in all seriousness, thank you very, very much for for your time, for sharing your story with us, uh, for sharing a little bit about Unibuddy with us. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you or get in touch with Unibuddy if they're interested in just hearing more about your experiences in higher ed and or if they're interested in learning more about Unibuddy?
1: They can email me at kevin at unibuddy.com. Very easy to remember. They could do that. They could go to Unibuddy's website as well, too, and they could actually <laughs> go on as a prospect and send me a little message. Um, there's so many ways that they can engage um, with me. So all of that is great. Um, I'm so Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I love talking, as you can tell. I talk a lot. Um, and, yeah, I would love to do this again. So if you invite me again, I will be more than happy to be back on your podcast.
0: Well, thank you, sir. Yes, we're, we're going to have to make it happen. Uh, really appreciate you all tuning in today. Uh, as always, if you have any feedback for us um, at Enrollify, you can reach out directly to me at zach at enrollify.org. Kevin, thanks for being here and look forward to uh, connecting with you again soon.
1: Yes, yeah, see you soon. And thank you so
0: much. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management, and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.